Hello, this is Maraid Painter, and you're listening to Your Care, Your Rights, Your Voice. I am joined here this morning by two of our family advocates here in Connecticut, and we are going to be talking about uh, family councils and statewide family councils. Um, Cynthia and Amy, hello. I'm wondering if you could both introduce yourselves. Good morning. I'm Cynthia Haddon. I have um, a loved one, my dad, in a long-term care facility, and um, I met the state ombudsman through Facebook, and I think uh, the ombudsman office as well as as, uh, all the advocates in Connecticut are doing a fantastic job, and I want to see it continue. Um, Hi, I'm Amy Bedini. My mother is um, in long-term care, and I represent the southern half of the state. Um, Always a trek up to Hartford, so we love the Zoom. Um, similarly, we've been in touch with our local um, ombudsman as well as Maraid um, to get um, advice and assistance when we need to in our um, local uh, long-term care facility. Um, Cynthia and I met, we're part of a state group. Um, we've been talking a lot about how to expand family councils across the state and then um, Maraid asked um, if there was interest in a state council, and here we are. Awesome, wonderful. Well, thank you for being here with us this morning. So for people who don't know, a family council is a group of individuals who are friends or family members in a long-term care facility um, who have relatives that reside there, friends that reside there, and they want to come together to help improve the quality of life, quality of care, talk about um, how things are going and really be an added benefit and added support to the individuals living in that long-term care community. It is a requirement in a nursing home that family councils be allowed to develop. And here in Connecticut, last session, we were able to pass a bill that really pushes nursing homes to support the family council and to do whatever possible to help family members start a family council. So I don't know if you ladies want to talk a little bit about why we think it's so important to have a statewide family council. I know there aren't many around the country. Pennsylvania also has one. Um, We'd love to hear from other states if they have started one. But here in Connecticut, um, we think that it's really important so that they can give me information. But I wanted to give you guys an opportunity to talk about what you're doing and how you're trying to um, promote that here. Well, the goal of the council is to work in an advisory role to the state ombudsman office and enhance family facility-centered care um, initiatives and best practices to ensure residents' rights. Um, We'll advocate, we'll help advocate for public policy and um, support quality care for residents and create avenues for educating residents, consumers, and families. Also, I think um, being part of a state Uh, Family Council will give opportunities to learn more um, on best practices and um, family-centered care to bring back to local family councils. Wonderful. And that's one of the things we really learned from the pandemic. Um, Out of a horrible situation, there were a few takeaways, I think, that, that I had. And one was that using technology, right? We'd never, I'd never used technology in this way to reach residents and family members before. Mm-hmm. So Facebook was a huge um, way to connect with people when we couldn't do it in person. Yeah. Um, and also hearing that 
you all sharing or hearing me speak and then sharing with each other created um, a leveling field so that if it could be done in one home as a best practice, understanding that just because there's a policy in another home doesn't mean it can't be done, that that's something that the families, um, residents could say, no, look, here it's being done. It's benefiting the residents there. We want this done in our home. And as um, a cl- as a consumer, right, you're you're someone, your customer, and that customer service, they should be rising up in order to meet your individual needs. So that was something I think that came out of the pandemic in a positive way. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, your Facebook Lives were really a great way for families to connect when families weren't allowed inside. At least they could connect with each other. And then when we did start to be able to get back inside, we could share those things across facilities. How is your nursing home doing it? How is yours? And be able to say, we, um, I think we need assistance. Call the local um, the regional ombudsman. And yeah, I think that was a, a really um, positive thing. The family councils and the statewide council um, will support, we hope will support and, and advocate for direct care workers and best practices in both quality and delivery in, in facilities. It's resident family-centered approach so that um, everyone feels a part of decision-making. Right. And I think a lot of homes, most of the homes really take that information and they want to do a good job. They want that feedback. They want that quality improvement. So this is just another tool that'll be a resource to them. Um, And they may not know what's happening in other other homes. And so they'll be able to take this information shared by family members um, coming together and promote best practices in their home. I know that was something when I was doing the lives that I thought was funny when I would see you guys start to talk to each other. I'm like, I think they're talking outside of here. That's great. Like it was creating a community, right? Yeah. Um, I think there's been a few, several, a few, I, I think there's been several breakoff groups, small groups that just um, are supportive of one another too, mm-hmm. um, which is wonderful because that's something when the pandemic struck, We were all at a loss of how do we connect. And like you mentioned earlier, Zoom was a wonderful way for some family councils to even continue through the pandemic. And to support each other, right? So dealing with or living through having someone in a long-term care community, it's not something everyone goes through. It's something that we all anticipate may happen. But until you're in it, you don't really know exactly what to expect. There's a lot of unanswered questions. There's a lot of things that only a person who's also gone through it or has, is living um, that walking that path, living that life can support you in. Even yeah. for the regional ombudsman, we can give you advice. We can give you support. We can talk about rights. But I don't have a loved one. I extended family, but a direct loved one in a long-term care community at this time. And I think I think that changes things. And you need to have someone to talk to who's having that similar experience to support you. Yeah. I also just heard you call it a long-term care community, which I really like because I'm very much into um, words mean things. And rather than calling it a long-term care facility, so I'm going to change that now. And the other thing that came out of this was, again, um, Cynthia, what you were saying, our family council continue to meet. We also met with our board, our local board uh, of directors, and they kept calling the residents patients. 
And mm-hmm. we, I kept correcting and saying, no, they're residents. This is their home. And so for us, we were able to influence the whole community to, to, to educate them, to say, this is their home. When we talk about visitation, you're allowed visitation in your home. They are residents. They're not patients. So I, I'm going to change the community. I like that. That's great. I can't believe they were calling them patients. That's all the long standing that, that that hasn't been in place since the early nineties. I know people call people patients in um, a long term care community, and you know legislation. It's it's challenging because the legislation often says facility, and I know this is something we've heard back from the associations. Um, and there's a level of frustration with the word facility, right? Yeah. Um, I'm sometimes torn. I think the ones that treat people like homes should be called homes. And the ones that treat people like facilities should be called facilities as a way of acknowledging that until they come along. But they're all communities. Um, They're all communities. And we all live within community and not forgetting that these individuals are still part of our community at large, right? That these are people who are part of our community, who have the same rights that you and I have in our community, um, that are just choosing to receive their long-term services and supports um, together in one building, right? In one physical space. It doesn't change who they are, just what they need. So yes, there's a lot of um, attention around that, but truly seeing it as a community, I think is important. Yeah. Um, I, I want to know from you guys, what are you hoping to do with the statewide family council? For the statewide family council, we hope to offer guidance educational opportunities and advocacy assistance to the local family councils. We want to see more local family councils be established in in, um, communities. And we wanna have maybe members or a member from each local family council join the statewide family council so that they can be a liaison and and bring education, advocacy and, and uh, assistance back to their local family councils. So it's our hope to have um, speakers, um, a calendar of events to make local family councils aware. But we also want them, the communities to local family councils to bring back to us issues they'd like us to address on a higher level. No, I was just going to say, that, and also um, going back to the language kind of issue is that having uh, families represented at the state level through a state council can help educate um, legislators and um, help, you know, um, move uh, legislation along. And I, I think it's a unique opportunity that we have that Marie has offered that, you know, I, I've, I, I was not a political person before this, and I have to learn about how policies are made and how important it is for them to hear directly from families who have those experiences. So um, it's, it's and I'm pretty okay. sure. Go ahead, Amy. Sorry. No, no, you, you, you. I'm pretty sure a lot of families um, aren't aware of that process either. And we want to educate them on that because we have made great strides in this past year. New policies have been, uh, new bills have come forward and have been passed. And we, and that's just in a year. It's amazing how much was done in this past year, thanks to the ombudsman office and local advocates that have loved ones. Yeah. You all stepping up made a big difference. And again, that is something we learned. We had trouble before 
reaching people, engaging them. I'm one voice, right? And yes, my voice is respected, but I'm one voice that the legislature's hearing, policymakers, the governor's office. And so when there is an issue or concern, having the ability to reach out and raise up many voices around an important, and, and one for me to test is, is what I'm advocating for um, important, the right thing? Am I, you know, is my legislative agenda um, taking the right path as far as families are concerned? It's really important, right? It helps me stay in touch with people. So I think that that's going to be really important. We're one of the few states, if not one of the only states that has an executive board of presidents of resident council. And we've had one for a long time. And those residents helped me set my legislative agenda. They've for a long time now gone, advocated at the Capitol, written letters as residents. And so to me, it just makes sense that we also have a statewide family council. I'd love to see one at the national level as well. Um, If we had enough states that had statewide family councils being able to come together and um, advocate regarding federal regulations um, and policy changes. But we'll start here. Helping people understand that process of, of how to testify Um, walking people through. So I know on our website, um, that process is laid out for people. If you you have any interest in that, you can go to our advocacy center on our website for the state, um, Connecticut State Long-Term Care Ombudsman Program, look at how to advocate, um, how to work with our office, how to testify. And as we're starting session again, I can't believe session is starting, um, there will be bills and things this session that we need further support on. But can you guys tell people how to become a member of the Statewide Family Council? Well, recently, your office sent out information to the facilities in Connecticut. Um, We're we're getting feedback, which is really exciting. We've had a few people reach out with interest. Um, I think um, they need to be reminded to get it out to their their families. Um, But they can go to the Long-Term Care Budsman page and click on either family council or statewide family council and there's a fillable form there that can be completed that will eventually get to Amy and I um, and it does have our contact information and we're happy to speak to anyone at any time um, whether it be for family council or, or the state family council. It's, it's just exciting. We can't wait to get started. We also have our kickoff meeting on January 5th Um, It's via Zoom. There is also a flyer on the Long-Term Care Ombudsman page um, giving all the information and the link to the meeting. And hopefully that that is our maiden voyage and it will take off from there. I do think it'll build over time, just like the Facebook did and the Facebook Lives. People will hear about it and it'll grow. What about people who say, well, I don't have a family council in my building. I want to participate, but we don't have a family council and I don't really know how to start one. They can contact their facilities administrator. They can provide them with the information. Again, they can reach out to Amy or myself and we're happy to guide them um, and, and direct them to all the information about family councils and what they are and what they are not. Um, they're an avenue for families um, to get together, to talk, um, in support of staff, in support of facility, in support of residents, but they're not a place to talk about individual patients or problems that way because um, that that enters into privacy areas and HIPAA laws and things like that. But it's you know, family council isn't isn't just uh, uh, an avenue for 
um, concerns. It can be fun too. It can be, you know, planting a garden at the facility come together. It's so many things on behalf of residents and the facilities and the workers recognition as well. I like to say in college, they have the Office of Student Life. And I like to say that that family councils help support resident life. All of those things that are part of resident life, if you can think back to college, what student life did, right? You know, Mm -hmm. writing holiday cards, having parties, all that kind of stuff. Um, Whatever can support resident life at the time, whatever is the need, um, family councils can fill that gap in addition to being a support system. So really seeing it as a partnership, right? So looking at the ability to partner with um, the community and say, or even with the uh, the resident council, if there's something that they want to work on. You talked about the gardens. I know one of the things um, that we saw family council do during the pandemic when they couldn't get in, one of our themes was residents rock. And we had like these little rocks that were cartoon characters. Um, and we had a family council that painted rocks and then went and put them outside residents' windows. So then they went out, they had messages from their loved ones that were on rocks outside their windows that stayed there. Yeah. Brilliant idea, right? So it was a constant reminder for them where they could send it in and put it in the person's room. So they had this rock from a loved one, um, inexpensive, easy to do. The families felt like they were participating in some way, giving something back to the residents. And we loved that. And that's a, that's a great segue to what the state council can be. That that simple idea could be shared at the state level that could be trickled down. And we will keep sort of like an inventory of those kinds of things to be available to um, local councils if they if they want them. People are laughing at me now, I know, because we've started trying. So AARP, always, and they are great partners, but they always wear red at the Capitol. Right. Have you ever seen AARP go to the Capitol? We call it the sea of red. They sort of when you know when there's a bill that AARP is supporting because you see the sea of red visually to the legislature, to people that makes a difference. You see the number of people sitting in the audience because they all read on. So we've taken um, a page out of their playbook and I don't have it in here, Um, but we now have we're making a sea of blue. So royal blue is our color. We've gotten um, vests and shirts for our um, statewide uh, resident council, for the staff, for our resident advocates, um, and we will make them available to family councils as well if they would like to, if they'd like to wear them when they're testifying virtually um, or when they're going to the Capitol so that we are a sea of blue um, (laughs) with the little symbol on it. Uh, And we think it'll make a difference, right, because it's hard to tell who is part of your community because it's such a vast community when we're all just one. Yeah. But when we see that C roll in, when we see how many people are supporting something, I think that visual uh, impact makes a difference. So if there are family council members out there um, that would like one of the best, one of the things we can work with you guys in order to get an order of them out and get them to people as well. Um, That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, we had all these projects. I will say you guys have been super patient. We've been trying to do this for like the last six months, but I feel like um, as things wound down and the pandemic, let me just be clear, the pandemic's not over. And if you haven't gotten your booster, go get it, please, 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 please. please. Talk to your healthcare provider, go get it. We are seeing really good 
um, this is going to sound funny, but we're seeing good outcomes with the outbreaks in our long-term care communities. And we've been able to open up visitation and have people in because we had um, some residents call a couple of weeks ago, really angry that they were in um, observation or quarantine. They were in quarantine again because they were positive, but they felt fine. Right. And they said, but no one's really sick. Mm-hmm. And that's wonderful news, right? That's fantastic. But you still <laughs> tested positive. So you have to not go around other people. But the fact that um, none of them were extremely ill and there are still some people getting ill. So we want to be really um, conscientious and um, protect the people we need to protect in our community at large, both in a long-term care community and our greater community. So please talk to your healthcare provider, get the booster if you can. You know, the pandemic is winding down, but as that happened, all of these projects that have been sort of in wait, just sort of out there for year, <laughs> they hit us like a tsunami. And then plus everything went back to normal. All of our regular work that had been put on pause that we had to catch up with. So I feel like for the past six months, we have been digging out of this wave of just stuff that's coming and all these great ideas. So we're finally here. I'm excited about the meeting next month. Again, for people out there, um, January 5th, I would really, really, really encourage anyone who has a friend or a family member in a long-term care community to at least come join the meeting, hear about it, and hear about how you can uh, participate and bring it back to your, your home. Ladies, anything as we're winding down, anything you'd like to, that I didn't ask that you'd like to include in the conversation? One thought that I had was about the virtual um, testifying and how that was another thing that came out that was a positive and how easy it is and how, yes, maybe you have to wait in your line, but you don't have to, you could be doing things. You could be reading a book or you could be doing things while you're waiting in line. And so that I think is a very positive and everybody, um, should go to the ombudsman page and look how to do it when, when, when needed. Um, I think that we're going to see more numbers. Mm-hmm. And I think the ombudsman page is, is an encyclopedia of knowledge. There's so much out there that in the six months, as we were preparing to kick off the state family council, I did a lot of reading on the website and um, it's just incredible and it's empowering. So we want to keep it going. Awesome. And if there's information out there, we, we do grab a lot of national information, best practices from other states, things that we're seeing. And I want to give a big shout out to Dan Beam um, because he has done a ton of work to get our website um, refreshed, rebranded, and um, keep it updated. We also have a new team member named Andre, um, who's the administrative assistant in my office, who's learning how to do that. We'll be taking that over. So if there's things that we need to post, um, we now have a large Zoom license to help support the statewide family council. So you guys will have that available. Um, And again, we just encourage people in our state, in other states, if you have a loved one in a long-term care community, reach out to your um, long-term care ombudsman's office and find out how you can participate in a family council or in advocacy uh, within the state. Thank you both for being here today. This is Marie Painter for Your Care, Your Rights, Your Voice. Amy and Cynthia, it was wonderful to have you. We hope that you all continue to listen to us uh, wherever you get your podcasts and we will talk to you soon. Thanks.